When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, welcome in. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with another edition of First and Pod, produced by Spencer Ray. I'm Danny Parkins. Andrew Filipponi is off this week, and it takes a pretty incredible thing for Pony to miss a show uh he is uh as you know i think he's i've definitely missed way more shows uh than him but uh he and his lovely wife amanda brought home their first child their baby daughter stella from the hospital today and i won't tell the whole story because it's pony's story to tell but i will just say that um I have never in my life met two people who have done more to try to become parents than the Philipponies. Pony, and he's been open about all of this, so I'm not speaking out of school. Uh, Pony and Amanda had a very hard time conceiving a baby. Pony had penile surgery. He literally had penis surgery in order to improve their chances of getting pregnant. They then, and I'm fast forwarding here, uh, they then got pregnant, but then had every parent's worst nightmare with uh, baby Gino, who they had had to deliver stillborn. And uh, it's about as devastating a thing as any parent could go through. And then they, out of that, were determined to become parents again and went through IVF and were unsuccessful and that is incredibly expensive and traumatizing and they were told that they were never going to be parents and then one day they got pregnant naturally and 39 weeks later Stella was born so true definition of a miracle baby and uh, ponies like family to me so Amanda is like family to me and so now Stella is like family to me and I can't wait to meet her but that's why pony isn't here he is on a much-deserved paternity leave, and he's just over the moon. So just wanted to share that with the First and Pod audience. So you guys know we normally do every team, every week, every game when there are games. And then in this real slow time, we have been calling our friends uh, to come on the show. We've had people that we've worked with and people that we went to school with. And our guest today uh, checks both boxes. He is a year younger than me, so two years younger than Pony. Uh, Also went to Syracuse, worked at the college radio stations with us. 
tremendously talented, did overnights at WFAN for a number of years, now hosts his own podcast on The Ringer called New York, New York. You should subscribe. Uh, SNY in New York and a fellow degenerate, our guy, JJ, John Jastremski. Thank you for joining First in Pod, JJ. How's it going, man? That's a fantastic open, number one, Danny Parkins. Uh, Before we begin, Andrew Filipponi, congratulations. Well-deserved, my man. Very, very happy to hear that. Uh, And number two, this is a tough act to follow, man. I mean, fellow degenerate, getting ready for the NFL season. Dude, with the baseball I've had to watch in New York between the Yankees and the Mets, this football season, dude, cannot get here soon enough. So when you called and said you wanted to chop it up a little bit and talk some NFL – a little glimmer in my eye, a little extra pep in my step, Parkins. I'm fired up, baby. Let's go. Dude, you and me both uh, with the Cubs and White Sox in my day job with a sprinkling of Northwestern hazing mixed in. So off-season NFL is, uh, is, is a much-needed reprieve right now. All right, so we're going to get to three teams in particular because J.J. is in New York and covers them closely. He has uh, Daniel Jones on his podcast every week, so we'll do some Giants, some Jets. And then he's a diehard Dolphins fan, and then we'll see where else the conversation goes. But Saquon Barkley uh, is in the news. He's publicly talking about his options. JJ, obviously running backs are underpaid, but we get why they are underpaid. What moves on the chessboard do you think are available to Saquon Barkley here? It's a loaded question, Danny. And I understand his frustration because he was terrific for the Giants a year ago. He played really well in big games. He played brilliantly in the playoff win over the Minnesota Vikings. He's in a position, though, where he's a running back. And he's not the only one. I mean, look at what's going on with Austin Eckler and the L.A. Chargers. Look at what's going on with Josh Jacobs and the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, these are guys who had monster seasons as well, and they're having problems getting that long-term commitment. So I know Saquon is salty. I know he is angry, and he's clearly ticked off. He has every right to be. That said, I love what the Giants are doing here because you hit on it. There are certain pieces in the NFL that you go above and beyond to go and pay. Quarterback is one of those. Offensive tackle is one of those. Cornerback is another. Running back, you run into trouble when you go and give a running back a crazy deal over an extended period of time. Now, I don't think Saquon is pulling a levy on Bell here. I'd be shocked if he sits out the entire season and Heard Le'Veon Bell come out a few days ago and basically said that was the biggest regret of his career, sitting out that year, leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was out of shape when he came to the New York Jets. And let's be honest, he was never the same guy. I think Saquon has almost got to use that tag as motivation. I know he's not happy about it. It may reach a point of no return between him and the Giants, but Danny, my feeling is if I ran an organization, I'm just not giving big contracts to running backs. That's the way I'd operate. And I obviously agree with you. The thing that I'd be worried about if I was a Giants fan is it seems like we're at a little bit of a tipping point in terms of running backs kind of banding together, being very collectively pissed off about this whole thing and trying to think of like creative workarounds to it. And it's collectively bargained and the franchise tag is what it is. And they're, They passed the extension date, and I understand that. But, like, if I had to set the over-under at Saquon Barkley games played this year and it was set at 13 and a half, I think I'd take the under 
And it wouldn't be because of a straight holdout. But I'd wonder if, you know what? I'm hurt, but I'm not injured. And normally if I'm hurt, I'd play. But right now, eh, my hammy's a little tight. My foot's a little sore. My shoulder's a little banged up. And on a per game average, I'm going to perform for you. And maybe I'll be sure to be performing at the end of the year heading into my contract negotiation. But a game here, a game there, September, October. You know what? I'm not going to go all out for you because you're not going all out for me. I think running backs are seeing what their value is and is not. And they're working, they're they're looking for creative workarounds to the problem. That's what would concern me right now if I'm the Giants. That's fascinating. And you might see that in certain situations. The one pushback I'd have though, Danny, it's everything that Saquon Barkley is not. You know what I mean, dude? Like this is a guy who loves football. He had it taken away from him just a couple of years ago when he blew out his ACL. He came back in 2021. And let's be honest, he was a total shell of the player he was coming back off that injury because his knee wasn't fully repaired and recovered you know, and making the cuts and having that same sort of burst. I just don't see that in Saquon's way. Now, the Giants get off to a rocky start. They're not winning games. They have a tough schedule right out of the gate. Maybe some of that bad blood simmers as the year goes on. But I I almost feel as in the early going of this year, the coach has a good program in Brian Dable. It seems like it's a good locker room. I don't think you'll see any of that stuff early in the year. I think it's something to watch maybe come November and December if the Giants don't live up to expectations. All right, so I want to throw a few ideas at you because I've been thinking about it. Like I was like, all right, what's the solve? What's the solve for running backs? Uh, And I said last week, I was like, maybe you do something like where it's like positionless basketball in the NBA where it doesn't really matter if you're a point guard or a small forward or a center. Everybody can shoot threes and it's all kind of interchangeable. Like maybe you figure out a way to do like positionless football in the franchise tag system. And like based on your production, that's how much you get paid. Cause it's not just running backs who are underpaid. Like Travis Kelsey's underpaid, right? He performs like a top 10 receiver, but he gets paid as a tight end. So it's not just running backs. What if for rookies, either one of two options, all rookies coming into the NFL were free agents. So they could sign on an open market. So like Bijan Robinson would not be signing the eighth overall pick slotted contract. He would sign what the open market actually said he was worth. Or you could do like running backs don't get uh, they like a three-year deal instead of a four-year deal for a second round pick or a five-year deal for a first round pick or extra incentives in running back contracts based on performance, like mandatory minimum incentives in rookie contracts, you rush for 750 yards, you get 500,000. You rush for a million uh, or a thousand yards, you get a million bucks. And like work in incentives to try to pay these guys at a younger age because that's actually when their prime is as opposed to the other positions that are much more likely to get second and third contracts. I love that last idea. I think that is fantastic because you nailed it. The running backs' best years are going to be immediately. They're not the sort of guy that's going to get through 9, 10, 11, 12 years, unless your name is Curtis Martin or Jerome Bettis. 
And I like that from like a 70, 50 yards perspective. Cause you can't even Danny look at the old numbers as far as rushing yards are concerned, because it feels like every team in the league is rolling out two or three running backs. Like you go through the rosters in the NFL. It's very rare that you have that, that bell cow, like Tennessee has Derrick Henry. The giants have Saquon. Not many teams have that. So I, I like the idea of kind of lowering those thresholds a little bit. And at the same time, you're going to compensate dudes who go and ball out in the first couple of years of their career. So listen, I'm not working for the NFLPA. We're not negotiating the next collective bargaining agreement, but Parkinson, who knows? We might have to get you in the room because that sounds like one hell of an idea. I don't know. I've just been just been you know thinking about it. Slow time in sports and it's dominated conversation. So all right, with the Giants specifically, the national narrative was they overachieved. They were not as good as the playoff appearance. They got lucky, but Brian Dable, a wizard and a quarterback maximizer. That's like the. I watched four or five Giants games over the course of the year and I saw their record and I watched the playoff game. You watched every minute of every game. What were what what's the more granular thing? Like do do you actually believe that last year was the foundation of something that they are going to build on or was it a fluke and they still have problems? So, it's a complicated question because I do think last year, Danny, is something they can build upon, but we have to be reasonable about this. The Giants had a very soft schedule last year. And that's something you have to take into account. They had the woeful AFC South. They were able to take care of that division. They played the NFC North. The Packers were a team that was not what they once were. They got the Lions, right? The Lions stuck it to them. They beat Minnesota. Minnesota ended up being quite fraudulent, as we saw come playoff time. And your Chicago Bears are trying to figure out what they're trying to put around Justin Fields. So the Giants won, I believe it was like nine or I think they went nine, seven, and one last year. You think about their schedule, though, they played Dallas twice. They got outclassed by the Cowboys twice. They played the Eagles three times. They did not belong on the same field as the Philadelphia Eagles. That playoff game was such a mismatch. It was over in the first five minutes. And I think what you're going to have here is that the Giants added to their team, Darren Waller, if he could stay on the field, I think he's going to be really useful for Daniel Jones. They go and draft the speedy receiver, Hyatt, out of Tennessee, who should help. The defense is going to be better. You had a lot of young players on that defense. Remember, last year, they kind of set up their defense to fail. James Bradbury was their best corner. They had to wave him because of the salary cap in June. He goes and signs with Philadelphia. They didn't have an experienced corner outside of Adoree Jackson on the team. Why do I bring all of this up? I think their roster is going to be better this year than it was last year. But you can make the argument, Danny, they're only an eight-win team. Because I think their schedule this year is far more challenging, is far more difficult, and they don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower. You take Saquon out of the mix, I mean, Isaiah Hodgins was their number one wide receiver. I think most of America is like, Isaiah, who? Who's the number one receiver? So they didn't have a whole lot of talent to work with. I think they're more talented. I think they might win less games. All right, last thing, and then we'll get to the Jets. You had Daniel Jones on your podcast weekly, which is a cool thing. That's that that's just that's an interesting spot to talk to a starting NFL quarterback every week. I don't know anything about Daniel Jones, the person, the guy. Tell me about him. What 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 should I know? You a believer in him long term? Like give, give us give us the insight. I have to be honest about this. 
They approached us with the idea last year. It's this prove it year for Daniel Jones. And one of the thoughts, Danny, that went through my head was honestly, well, what happens if the Giants are 0-5 and he's stinking up the joint and Tyrod Taylor is taking over a quarterback? Like, yeah, that was something we thought about early on in 2022. And he exceeded my expectations every which way on the field. I mean, you look at what he was able to do in growing and developing under Brian Dable, making plays with his legs. His athleticism is really something that won me over last year, and it's why I still think there's kind of untapped potential for what he can be as a quarterback, and I want to see what he's going to look like with better talent around him. Uh, to answer your question about what kind of duty he is, he's all ball, man. You know, I he's not going to be a guy that's going to wow you here and be, you know, he likes New York. I think he likes the, the vibe. He likes going to the Nick games. He likes going to the concerts. But I think his primary focus is all about football. Like, he is one of these guys that wants to – let's put it this way. There are guys who want to embrace the persona of being, like, the New York Giants quarterback or being the New York Jets quarterback and being, like, Broadway and, like, being everywhere where you feel their presence. I think Jones likes the idea of laying low. I think he took a lot of what Eli Manning taught him as far as how to be a professional – and how to deal with the media. A lot of, a lot of similarities, Danny, without the, the aw shucks. When I talk to Daniel Jones and I think about the 10-plus years Eli Manning spent as giant quarterback, like their personalities and some – Eli's probably funnier, but like they do have that sort of demeanor to them where they know how to answer a question, but they also know that they're not going to expose everything that's going on within their room and their culture and whatnot. And he's all ball. That's that's what I would tell anybody about Daniel Jones. He's a great guy. You want to root for him. He's very likable, but it's all ball with Daniel Jones. Interesting. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right. So to the Jets, I want to start a little bit more granular here. Is the offensive line good enough to keep Aaron Rodgers alive for a 21 game Super Bowl run? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. There's a lot of age on that offensive line. Remember, Makai Becton, the first-round pick. Everybody's raving about what kind of shape he's in. Let me see Makai Becton on the field performing at a high level before I'm raving about training camp reviews in July and in August. And I think two big concerns for them right out of the gate. You hit on one, which is the offensive line. The other one is Brees Hall, who was unbelievable. He was electrifying the first, like, five or six games of last year. I got killed by Pony and Meltzer for drafting him really high in our we did a we did an eight round three man running back total uh rushing yardage draft. I think I drafted him in like the the wraparound pick. I think I drafted him at like twelve or thirteen or something this year. They absolutely killed me for it. Is it bad bad pick? Well, here's why I'd be skeptical. He's coming off the torn ACL. And, and maybe it, maybe Parkins, I got PTSD from what I saw with Saquon two years ago where he didn't look right all year and it took him a full year to recover. And listen, every ACL is different. I understand that. Like some guys recover immediately. Some guys do not recover immediately. So that's my fear with Brees Hall. So offensive line and not having him at full strength where he can be that sort of check down security blanket for Rogers, a guy who could take a pitch and turn it into a 20 or a 30 yard gain. Those are two immediate concerns I have about the Jets. And there's another one. It's their head coach, who now is no longer in the honeymoon stage. He needs to win. He needs to get the Jets to the playoffs or he's going to be out of a job. And I don't know if Robert Sala can coach at a high enough level. We're going to find out. I think this year is going to tell you once and for all, do the Jets have their coach in Robert Sala? So what's the concern with him? Uh, Number one, I think he's way too nice with the players. I think that's been the case his first two years. I, I think it's obvious. Way too nice with the players. Now, maybe you want to tell me between closed doors, it's a different vibe. I don't get that sense. I don't get that feel. The other concern I have is Robert Sala can coach defense. You shouldn't, in theory, have to worry about your offense now. you got Aaron Rodgers, who's seen everything in the NFL. He's got his buddy, Nathaniel Hackett, who was called poised for him as of two years ago with the Green Bay Packers. So you would think, all right, on the surface, great. Robert Sala can focus on leading and coaching the jet defense. One thing I do want to see out of a head coach though, and I know they all have their specialties, Parkins. We see it now, especially with these offensive guys. I like my coach involved in all three phases of the game. And and that is something that at least in the first two years for Salah, I have found problematic where he is very involved with his defense, his offense. On the other hand, I don't sense that same. And listen, it's not going to be the same. We all know that you have specialties, but that's something that is lacked for me from a Jets standpoint. I like that all three, you know, like the guys who can embrace all three phases of the game. That's what I love so much about John Harbaugh. That's what I love so much about Bill Belichick. Those guys who embrace it all, it shows in their football teams. So everyone knows about the Jets, like Rodgers, elite talent at quarterback, Sauce Gardner, elite talent at corner, Quinn and Williams, elite talent, interior defensive lineman. Uh, Garrett Wilson, elite talent receiver. And these are the most premium positions in the sport. Is there enough depth 
or is it maybe like a Buffalo Bills type of situation? Very top-heavy talent roster and and not enough depth, you know, maybe spots 8 through 53. That's a very, very good question. I think they have answers in the secondary. I think their secondary outside of Sauce Gardner is really, really good. Uh, I think at linebacker, they're so-so, but that's not going to make or break you. The offensive line concerns me greatly. And receiver, you know, you think about receiver for them, Danny. They go and get his buddy Alan Lazard. They go and get his buddy Randall Cobb. They bring in McCole Hardman, who I always liked with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a nice scat back type of guy that could take a slant and go take it 50 or 60 yards to the house. Um, I think offensive line and the age and the status of Rodgers at this stage in his career is the make or break for the Jets. Rodgers two years ago was an MVP. was phenomenal. Last year, you want to tell me losing Devontae Adams played a role? That could be the case. You want to tell me the injury he had mid-season played a role? Could be the case. Or we're talking about a guy that's getting up there in age. And I mentioned that PTSD. Met fans, Danny, have lived through Max Scherzer and have lived through Justin Verlander. Two guys that are future first ballot Hall of Famers. They are guys that have had exemplary careers. I think you know the dynamic in New York. There are a lot of Met Jet fans in my life. A lot of the Met fans who are very pessimistic after the season they have just had, their worst nightmare is we have Aaron Rodgers, he's ours, and he's cooked. That's like the the deep down, deep-rooted Jet fan worst nightmare. They get Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career when he's just simply not the same guy. Whether that's the case, we'll find out in about a couple of months. Has there been any misstep that I've met? Because like the, the narrative was Rodgers in the New York media and the New York pressure and all that. It seemed like he's courtside at MSG. He's going to Broadway. He's going to Carbone. He's going out with all the players. He's, seen, he's attending OTAs and minicamps. He seems to be playing the offseason perfectly, but he hasn't thrown a pick yet. He hasn't missed a game due to injury. They haven't lost because of uh, a, a bad performance. Like, it, it, Are they still in the honeymoon stage? Because that's what it seems like outside of New York. Oh, 100%. Okay. And Aaron Rodgers has played it perfectly. You know, I wondered if he was going to come here and, and what kind of tone he was going to set. He was very polite. He was very open and honest and in many ways transparent in a way that I didn't know if he was necessarily going to give you, Danny, because, listen, he does that on McAfee, but it's different with the New York media. It's different when you come from a place like Green Bay, and I know it's the NFL, and there are so many teams around the NFL, you know, like, it becomes a national sport. We get that. New York's different, though. All the cameras. All the reporters. But is he getting grilled? Like, are people saying? No, like, everybody hey, loves him right now. No, every, you're, you're right. Everybody right now is kissing Aaron Rodgers' rear end. Welcome to New York. Come save the New York Jets. That's the that's the way he's been treated. But I guess I'm a little surprised for, like, ha- where has been the, like, hey, what about the reports that you thought that 9-11 was an inside job? Like, what about your quotes about big pharma and now you work for Woody Johnson of Johnson and Johnson fame? Like I'm a little surprised there haven't been like the New York post tabloid gotcha attacks at Aaron Rodgers yet, even just for the clicks. Yeah, that's a good point because maybe the jets were protective potentially of who they're letting in the building and who they're not letting in the building. I think there could be something to that. 
I don't know if they're kind of facilitating these early questions so far as, hey, it's all ball. We're not talking about his vaccine stance. We're not talking about uh, it. I mean, listen, if somebody asked Aaron Rodgers that sort of question, it would be weird. It would be uncomfortable. Um, but there's been none of that so far, Danny. So I, I guess if somebody is looking to go and, and find himself on TMZ, they could do that to Aaron Rodgers at any of these you know, training camp sessions and whatnot. But for now, and again, for now, I say that in late July, it's been very hunky-dory, dude. It really has. Do you think if I set the over-under – well, actually, I'll just ask it directly. Give me the number. How many seasons is Aaron Rodgers the Jets quarterback? I'm going two. Okay. I think he's the quarterback this year and next year. That's okay. my sense. I don't think he will go beyond that. Uh, I could see him playing very well this year. I can't see a situation where it's one and done. That's a nightmare for the Jets. If Aaron Rodgers comes here and they go 6-11 and 11 and he's basically bolting at the end of this year, then all of this is going to feel like the absolute worst nightmare. And it's going to be like Favre was interesting because Favre, they were eight and three. They were playing great. Now that was the year Brady blew out his knee week one uh, in, against Kansas city in New England. And the division was there to be had the Jets are eight and three. People were talking about like a New York super bowl. Cause it was fresh off the heels of the giants. If you remember winning against New England, the uh, straight hand game, whatever. And they were great until Plaxico Burris had a little incident at New York nightclub. But the Jets that year went from 8-3, beating New England, beating undefeated Tennessee. Favre got hurt. They tanked and had Chad Pennington coming into that building and beat him the final game of the regular season. So the, the Jet fan does not feel those wonderful, positive vibes regarding Brett Favre. Uh, and I think their worst nightmare is that it will be part two with Aaron Rodgers. Will Zach Wilson ever be a starter in the NFL? Uh, my money is on no. And I know, Danny, they are trying to tell you that he's going to be this ultimate reclamation project, that he's with his buddy Aaron Rodgers, this I, the guy he idolized, and now all of a sudden he's going to learn how to play the position. His instincts are so bad. His footwork is so bad. I don't know how you correct that, dude. I, I don't. He made some of the worst football plays from an instinctual standpoint that you will ever see from any quarterback. And you, you want to tell me he came out early, that he wasn't ready to play, that maybe the Jets put too much pressure on him, whatever the case may be. He was in the system for two years, and it seemed like he got worse, not better. So, no, I, I'm, and I know teams are searching for quarterbacks. It is the land of opportunity, getting second and third and fourth opportunities if you have ability and you have talent. Uh, I would not be betting on Zach Wilson. No, I would not. All right. So, J.J. is a diehard Dolphins fan uh, up there in New York. He's on an island. Most of the New Yorkers go to Miami. He's not a person from Miami. He's just a Dolphins fan in New York. It's very strange. Do you believe in Tua? I do. If he could stay on the field. I think that's the million-dollar question, Danny. I do believe in Tua. But like, I saw okay, so, so as what? Because in the AFC especially, you've got to be great, right? Like Josh Allen, great. Burrow, great. Mahomes, obviously, great. There's Rodgers. There's Lamar. There's Deshaun. There's, there's the, there, there are elite talent. There's Trevor Lawrence. There are elite talents physical specimens 
you in the AFC for a decade with all those dudes, you believe? Uh, if the durability is something that he can handle and harness, look at what he did last year in McDaniel's system. Now, I understand he had two of the premier wide receivers in the sport. Tyree Kill, say what you want about him personally. He's an incredible talent at wide receiver. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and listen, people wondered, leaving Kansas City, would he still perform? He transformed Miami's offense in addition to Mike McDaniel. I love Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle makes big plays. They have an offense that's full of speed, and they are well-coached. Tua is a smart quarterback. He's an accurate quarterback. I saw him against Buffalo in snow. Remember, everybody said, oh, they can't play in snow. They can't move the ball in snow. They were up 10 points in the fourth quarter in Buffalo in the snow before their defense completely fell apart. Look, he's a small guy. He has missed way too much time over the last two years. Forget about the concussions for a second. 2021, Danny, this is a guy who missed five or six games with injury. Alabama, his hip missed an extended period of time. When he has been on the field, the Dolphins win. That's all there is to it. Now, do I think he's as good as Patrick Mahomes? Of course not. Do I think he's as good as Joe Burrow? Of course not. But I think the talent that Miami has on both sides of the ball, dude, they are loaded, man. I know, but that's a, di- that's a different question because I like Jalen Hurts has everything in the world around him and was great. And Tua has everything in the world around him and was great. But I do think when you have everything in the world around you, there are some questions about if I'm talking about like you're the franchise quarterback for a decade, you're not always going to have everything in the world around you, right? Like Pat Mahomes loses Tyreek Hill, wins the MVP, uh, doesn't have a receiver who get a thousand yards, doesn't have a running back get a thousand yards, leads the league in passing. And and obviously like holding everyone to the Mahomes standard is ridiculous, but I guess like I, I once talked to an NFL general manager who said my job is to evaluate and isolate individual talent amidst the team sport right if the quarterback can't throw the deep ball that doesn't mean I don't have a great deep ball receiver I might I got to evaluate him so like if you stripped it and Tyreek Hill tore his ACL and it was maybe just Jalen Waddle you know like like is he good enough with because they got a what a top five top six supporting cast in the NFL maybe on offense like I think on offense, that's fair. Yeah. If he had the 15th best offense around him in the NFL, would you believe in him? Uh, Believe in him to do what? Be good. Like, like elevate. Elevate the people around him. Like, how if they got the 15th level of talent around him, are they a top 14 or better offense because he makes them better? Or are they? I think right around that. I think right around that. Now, okay, you could make the same argument about a guy like Kirk Cousins. Well, that's that's like I'm wondering: is he really Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr? Like he's a Alex Smith. Like he, like those guys were like as good as the talent that you had around them. Well, they're going to be starting quarterbacks, but you don't know what kind of starting quarterback. I still think it's early in his career to say, "Hey, definitively, this is what he's going to be." Think about this with Eli. And Eli is a weird example. Eli had one of the weirdest NFL careers ever. He, he, he did. really did when you think about it. Yeah. His first couple of years, Danny, if you would have asked me this question, and we were doing this podcast about Eli Manning being a guy elevating guys in postseason play, I would have been like, 
Uh, no, I, I, I don't see it. So I like to give a quarterback like a, I, I almost feel like they need like a four or five. Now certain guys, Joe Burrow immediately, you're like, holy smokes. His second year, he's taking a team to the Super Bowl and is right on the doorstep of winning a championship. That's when you kind of are putting like that rarefied air. He's not in that sentence. Like, I'm not going to put Chua in the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Do I think he has a chance throughout his career, if durability is fair and he's on the field, to be one of the 12 to 14 best quarterbacks in the league? I'd put my money on that. Okay. Where would you put your money on them finishing in the AFC East? I'm still putting them second. I want to pick them first. I'm not going to come on and wave pom-poms on the air. I can't do that. First behind or second behind who? Buffalo. So you have the Jets finishing third. I do. I'm sure the Jet fans listening are going to be thrilled. My buddies, they're going to be uh, roasting me for this when I see them on the golf course. Uh, Here's my thing with the Jets. I don't like banking on guys on the back nine of their career. Even if it's Aaron Rodgers, even if it's Aaron Rodgers with a chip on his shoulder, that concerns me. That frightens me. I know Miami just went and got Vic Fangio to run their defense. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. That's one thing with Miami last year, Danny. Their defense stunk. They were not – with all the talent they had on defense, they were terrible. They couldn't get to the quarterback. Their scheme stunk. They're blitzing like crazy. I think Fangio comes in and gives them a monster defense. The only reason I'm not picking them to win it, Buffalo has won the division now each of the last three years. I know there are questions. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, what's going on there? They lose Tremaine Edmonds, who was a big part of their defense. But I almost feel like I need to see somebody in this division go and slay them. Miami played them really tough last year. I know they lost three out of what they lose, two out of three games. They played great in the snow. And they almost won a freaking game with Skylar Thompson, a quarterback. So I, I get why there's a lot of folks nationally who are like selling their Buffalo stock. They still have Josh Allen as their quarterback. So I'm going to give Buffalo the slightest of edges going into the year. I do think, though, if we're talking Miami Jets, better value bet to win the division, I think Miami is a better value bet. Okay. What other bets? Do you have any NFL futures bets that you like right now? I have a couple. I have a couple. So I'm looking at Atlanta to win the South. That division is there for the taking. Uh, Everybody is on the New Orleans bandwagon. I am not. Like, no thanks. Carolina, intriguing. Frank Reich, intriguing. Young quarterback, not willing to go there. And Tampa obviously retooling after the Tom Brady era has come to a close. I think Atlanta has these sort of personnel. They were in a lot of games last year. A lot of games they lost down to the wire. I think they're well coached. I think Robinson gives them a different dynamic offensively. So I'm betting Atlanta. That is one I've already made to win the AFC, the NFC South. The other one I like, Parkins. Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Listen, Cincinnati's the team to beat. I understand that. Yeah. Baltimore has John Harbaugh. I, I love Harbaugh. He's one of my favorite coaches in the league. Cleveland's another one of these teams. Full year now for Deshaun Watson. He's back in football shape. That's a very talented team, dude. That's a team that, to me, underperformed in so many different ways. Tough division. Got to knock down a champ. I understand that. But I think there's value. I know for sure, Danny, I am betting them as an over. 
and I'm sprinkling a little bit on them to win the AFC North. Okay. I like I the NFC South obviously is wide open, right? Three teams won seven games last year. I think I'm gonna be a little bit more bullish on Carolina because Don't you feel like it's Carolina or Atlanta? I almost feel like one of those two teams, you just gotta handicap it properly. Yeah. I look at Carolina and it's like they probably overperformed a bit to get to seven wins, but they just improved at quarterback and coach. So their defense is still very good and they're clearly not punting on the season with, and they're going to, they're just going to play Bryce. And if he's awesome, he could be great. Like that we, we see it happen. And I think there's a lot of special stuff there. So I think I'm a little bit more bullish on Carolina because like you're backing Desmond Ritter and I'm backing the number one pick in the draft. But Atlanta's going to be a really, really fun – they might be a fun bad team. They want coach too. He's a good coach, coach, Danny. He's a good coach. I, I Listen, he's not had a whole lot to work with offensively. Like the last two quarterbacks he's worked with are Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota. You know what I mean? So, like, he can get enough out of a so-so quarterback. He can Okay, and then we like to do some uh, some media on this pod. You are uh, you are very successful. You've had very high profile jobs, and you've also had the highest profile mentors that a person could possibly have. Mike Francesa spoke very highly of you and helped you out at WFAN, and then Bill Simmons hires you uh, to do his first local podcast at the Ringer. I know that you have spoken about both of them as being professional mentors to you. Who is who gives more advice, Simmons or Francesa? Wow. I never thought about that. That's a great question. They give advice in very different ways. I feel like Bill is far more strategic. Just you can tell he's worked a lot of different places. He's got like that visionary approach. I feel like Mike's advice has always been the market, the area, you know, the the performance of being a New York sports personality. So it's definitely profound advice. It's coming from the Pope. It's coming from Mike Francesa. I understand that. But with Bill, it's, it's very strategic in the way of thinking about, you know, putting together a podcast as far as what works, what doesn't what gets clicks, what doesn't, like that sort of deal where it's not hot takey, give or take, but it's thinking about what people from like a certain age demographic are looking for. So that would be probably the best way I would kind of compare contrast. So I'd say Simmons by Smidge, by Smidge Parkins. Does Francesa text? Yeah, he does. And not only this, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I should be saying this. Uh, I might be uh, seeing him actually next week for a certain uh, television appearance. I don't know if that's been promoted yet. So uh, might be breaking news on your podcast. I don't know. Oh, don't worry about it. We won't. We won't clip this and uh, send, no, okay. send, send to Andrew Marshhead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We won't. We won't be. We won't be sending it out uh, to the masses. It it had to have been weirder for you to get the blessing of Francesa than Simmons. I mean, I'm I'm sure you loved Simmons and his podcast, and that's amazing. But as a WFAN kid, like, like which one was more of a, like, 
holy shit moment. I, I would guess knowing you, Francesa, but Simmons obviously changed your career a lot too. So like, wh- which one was crazier? Uh, I'm going to say Mike, although Mike I was introduced to far more in a conventional way because I was working at the radio station and I got my start at the radio station on his show on a contest. So, yeah. you know, there's kind of that tie-in. The Simmons story, though, Danny, is insane. I'm doing a radio show after a Thursday night football game. This is the COVID times. I'm doing radio out of a one-bedroom apartment. The entire block in Brooklyn probably heard my show. They didn't need to turn on the radio. They literally could open up their windows or walk down the street, and they could hear me yelling and screaming about the Yankees and the football, whatever. But I'm getting ready to go back on the air. We had the Westwood One Thursday night game. And I get a follow from Bill Simmons, and I'm like – what is this? I'm like, this, this is, it's Bill Simmons. What's going on here? So I DM him because I listen to a pod with Sal every week. You know, we're big gamblers. We like to uh, have some fun guests in the lines and whatnot. And basically was like, yeah, I want to get you on the phone. Uh, big fan of yours and talk career stuff. And then we talked on the phone for like an hour. And I felt like it was someone that I had known like my entire life. You know what I mean? Like you just get on the phone, you start shooting the breeze or whatever. It was like, damn. So crazy in, in different ways. Like Mike was definitely more like the wow factor because of what he represented in like my childhood. And but you were anticipating up. meeting Mike. Yeah, I would say, yeah, once yeah. I figured that was far more likely. Like I never yeah. really envisioned that Bill Simmons and my paths would ever cross at all. You know what I mean? So like who's next? Who we got to get like. That's a good question. Who is next? Who's who's going to be the next like kingmaker to notice JJ and poach you from Simmons or like offer you a like like you're going to be like Ryan Seacrest's co-host or something? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I would listen. I'd love to host Jeopardy, Parkins. That'd be fun. I wanted the Wheel of Fortune gig, and then Seacrest took it. So like that guy needs more gigs. Come on, that's man. what I'm saying. So Come on. Here. Though I will say, though I will say, I was at a an award ceremony where uh, he was at, and it was the Marconis, and he he loves radio, so I, I had a newfound respect for for he got the Lifetime Achievement Award, and uh, he he spoke so glowingly about radio. I was like, God, I guess I really can't hate you for your good looks and your hundreds of millions of dollars and getting hundreds of millions of dollars and all of his gigs and all of his platforms. But yeah, he's he's got that in us, you know. But he's like, still a radio he, guy. He appreciates so, the dynamic, which we all yeah. know. All right. John Jastrzemski, New York, New York, Spotify, The Ringer, wherever you get uh, your I say wherever you get your podcast. That's not true. On Spotify. Get it on Spotify. Spotify and, uh, and Apple. But Spotify, listen, we like to promote the company. Uh, before we say goodbye, you didn't give me a, a future bet. I gave you two. You, you didn't give me one. <sighs> okay. I will give you one. Just one. Why? Well, my audience doesn't like it, but it's okay. The Lions are clearly the best team in the NFC North. They they are they are much better than everybody else in the division. Just so like lay the 140, Minnesota's a zero, Green Bay's a zero, and I think the Bears are building something, but they were they would they would just need every star to align and heads up i think the bears match up terribly with the lions because the lions have 
maybe the best offensive line in football and the bears have probably the worst defensive line in football. So I think they'll just run down the bears throat when they play. I think Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator coming back was, was huge. Jameson Williams being suspended for the first six weeks is not great, but they still have Amon Ross St. Brown. I know everyone thinks Goff's going to have a huge regression, but dude only had seven interceptions last year against 29 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. Like he, he had a very efficient one of nine. No, he balled out. You're not worried about them being too trendy. That's my only fear with them because everything you said is accurate. They just seem everybody loves the lines. You know what I mean, Parkins? Everybody. I'm not, but I'm not. I'm not saying Super Bowl. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, in the division, their path is pretty unobstructed because I just don't see a world in which Jordan Love is good or they win. Minnesota was a a bad team last year. DVOA had them like 26th or 27th, but they won 13 games. So, I mean, if Justin Fields is the MVP of the league or a top five MVP candidate, like the Bears could take a three to 10 win jump. But I think it's much more likely that they're a eight win team this year. And that is probably going to be good enough for second place in the North. So I just, I, I they are, they are trendy, but I'm not saying Super Bowl. But I, I do I do think I will I I I I will be laying a small number on them. I think they deserve to be the favorite in the division. Fair enough. Putting that in the yeah. memory bank. Sorry, I cut off your ending, but I need I needed one before we say goodbye. No, no. I mean, listen, man. I mean, that's I I got I got no problem uh, with. Listen, we can talk gambling all day. I mean, do you have do you have a do you have a horse in the open? Uh, I do. I have two plays. I have Kepka, who I bet in every major. Because he's my dude. I love him. The other guy I bet is Morikawa, and I already feel terrible about it. Because I was between Morikawa and Spieth, and I ended up going with Morikawa. Mm. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. I I hit a few round one unders, and I'm going to probably just fire in and like, get in on the term- tournament uh, before Saturday. But uh, JJ, continued success, man. Thank you for coming on the pod. Very much appreciate you, my friend. Anytime, Parkins. Good stuff, bud. All right, thanks, man. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Andrew Filipponi, not sure if we'll be back next week or the week after, but we'll hold it down. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review, first and pod. Peace.